0: Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios along with Colleen and the About Mansfield News team. If you're listening on the day of its release, today is Wednesday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. We are your audio newspaper, and thank you for being here with us. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week.
1: And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to Our Place Restaurant with our Mansfield trivia question.
0: Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week.
1: The class of 2022 may have you seeing double times Thirty-five.
0: Ben Barber culinary students aim for state competition.
1: Saturday closes out a busy campaign season. Coming up in the features section.
2: Why is the moon running away from the earth? I'm science reporter Dennis Webb and we will discuss this in the science segment.
3: Ready for vacation? Don't forget your travel medicines. I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield News to Know and we'll talk about
4: it later in the episode. I'm Beth Steinke. Home prices are up and there's more buyer demand than homes to buy. We'll explore the reasons for the current housing shortage in the Mansfield Real Estate Report.
5: Whether it's the hats or the horses, this week's Cocktail of the Week is the best tradition of all, and we'll talk about it later in this episode. We
1: have the seven-day weather forecast, and in the talk segment, Steve converses with a local nonprofit director who's trying to make Mansfield a better place to live. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield.
5: I'm Dr. Joseph Adams with Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health. And if you or your loved one is suffering with headaches and or migraines, we invite you to come sit down with our team and see if we can find a solution. What we know about migraines is that they're a complex neurological disorder and there are many different triggers and appropriate treatment requires a team that can address all those factors. So if you or somebody you know is suffering from migraines, we invite you to come to the office and sit down and have a conversation with us and see if we can help you. Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health, 408 South Main Street in downtown Mansfield. Since 1988, Jack and CPA firm has been the premier tax and accounting firm for North Texas. I'm Adam Cohen, tax manager for Jack Lauderman CPA. Whether you need CFO services or simply tax preparation or anything in between, we provide every level of business tax and accounting service. Call us at 817-231-0666. Or visit us on the web at dfwtaxteam.com. That's dfwtaxteam.com.
6: I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple.
3: Hi, I'm Katie Hayes, pastor of Galileo Church, and you're listening to About Mansfield.
0: Welcome back to About Mansfield.
1: If you plan on attending any of the high school graduations later this month, don't be surprised if you see double. The Mansfield School District reports a record-breaking 35 sets of twins will be graduating this spring, an all-time high for the district. And, not to be outdone by the set of 70 brothers and sisters, there will also be one set of triplets walking the graduation stage as well. Graduation ceremonies will take place in mid-May.
0: Elsewhere in MISD News, students attending Ben Barber are preparing for a major statewide academic competition this week, the first since the pandemic started. The culinary competition is a team sport, if you will, where the goal at Ben Barber is to prepare the next generation of restaurant leaders in the front and back of the house. The group, led by Chef David Roberson, won state competitions in 2019 in both cooking and and management, a first in more than 10 years.
1: The campaign season has nearly come to a close. Early voting is now behind us, and Election Day is slated for this Saturday, May 7th. On the ballot, 10 candidates are vying for four seats on the MISD school board, while the city is seeking to raise approximately $155 million for local improvement projects by way of five individual bond propositions. There are four voting centers in the 76063 zip code, including the Donna Shepard Learning Academy, J.L. Bourne Elementary School, the Mansfield Sub Courthouse, and Newsom Stadium in the community room. Registered Tarrant County voters can vote at any vote center on Election Day from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. About Mansfield will post the results on our website As soon as they become available.
0: Just a quick reminder that if you have any news that's happening here in Mansfield, shoot us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.com. Please include your name and your phone number. In case we need more information, this Saturday is National Miniature Golf Day, or as we say here in Texas, putt-putt. Miniature golf can be traced back to the 19th century, originally created in Victorian Scotland to allow women to play golf. At the time, it was considered unladylike for women to raise a golf club above their shoulder level. Thus, regular golf was not an option. Nowadays, miniature golf is played worldwide. By women, men, and children. Let's toss it on over to Colleen at the weather desk to see if the weather's going to cooperate on Saturday for a friendly game of putt-putt. Colleen?
1: Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. Wednesday, we're looking at a high of 86 degrees with a slight chance of some thunderstorms in the wee hours of the morning Wednesday, and then again overnight Wednesday into Thursday. We have a 60% chance of rain on Thursday, with a high of 87 degrees. None of this weather is supposed to be particularly severe, but that can always change as we get closer. Our high Friday will also be 87, Saturday will be 92, Sunday will be 95, Monday will be 93, and Tuesday is projected to be 90 degrees. So Saturday is going to be on the toasty side for a game of putt-putt, but at least you won't have to deal with rain. And Sunday is Mother's Day, so it might be best to keep Mom in the shade, as it's going to be a hot one. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb talks science. Angel Biasati has Methodist Mansfield news to know. Beth Steinke is here with the Mansfield Real Estate Market Report. And Brian Certain makes a run for the roses in the cocktail of the week. And in the talk segment, Steve helps make Mansfield a better place to live with nonprofit director, Angela Thorne. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield.
5: Hi, this is Roger of the Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight. The real estate market is far more dynamic today than it has ever been, with values changing quickly. Now is the time to get an update on your real estate portfolio. We're offering a no-cost, no-obligation real estate portfolio review to all about Mansfield podcast listeners. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more and to stay on top of what's happening in your neighborhood. Thank you for allowing us to serve you as your go-to Mansfield area real estate resource.
0: Again, that's homesinmansfield.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as Ask Philip, Daughter of the Other Woman, Stir the Pot, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not and We Are TPM, just to name a few, and also handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio out of Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast, or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and record your first episode at no charge for more information on starting your podcast or if you're looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com.
6: hey mansfield sonia here from wise wellness did you know that wise wellness is now mobile yep we have changed our business model to best serve our clients that means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767. Visit the website or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com. W-Y-S-E well.com.
0: I'm Mansfield Police Chief Tracy Aaron, and you are listening to About Mansfield.
1: Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section.
0: Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb has his laser locked in on the moon. Dennis? Thank you, Steve.
2: Last week, we talked about how humans figured out how far away the moon is in this scientific research over centuries. Humans recently figured out that the moon is slowly moving away from the Earth that is moving to a higher orbit around the earth. We currently measure this distance precisely using reflectors left on the moon by human space programs that landed there. We measure the distance by shining a laser from the earth, hitting the reflector, and measuring the time it takes for the reflection to come back to the earth. Laser light is really good for this because it does not disperse or get fainter as you get further from the source. Your street light is not a laser, so the further away you walk it gets dimmer than if you're standing right under it. These human-made reflectors on the moon give us a very accurate and precise measurement of the distance at the moment the measurement is made. But to know if the moon is moving away or towards us, it's a little bit more complicated. First, the moon is in an elliptical orbit around the Earth, meaning that in a given lunar month, its distance varies from about 225,000 miles to 252,000 miles. So it is always moving towards or away from the Earth. Second, the moon's orbit is not a perfect ellipse, as smaller forces perturb its orbital motion. The gravity of the sun, and to a lesser extent the other planets, make slight tugs on the moon, preventing a perfectly elliptical orbit. Isaac Newton figured out the mathematics to predict this as an explanation for the perturbing forces that had already been observed. Also perturbing the moon's orbit is the fact that the distribution of mass on the earth varies over time, notably the ocean tides that the moon itself causes. So it is complicated to tell whether the moon is, on average, receding from the Earth. Since the 1970s, specialists at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory have been analyzing all the measurements and physics to determine what we know now. These days, the moon is receding from the Earth at about an inch and a half per year, or about six feet since the Apollo moon landings 50 years ago. Why is this happening? It has to do with the Earth's ocean tides caused by the Moon's own gravity. When the oceans slosh around, the massive amounts of mass moving around changes the kinetic energy of both the Earth and the Moon. Momentum is transferred from the Earth's daily spin to the Moon's orbit. This slows down the Earth's spin, lengthening each day a tiny bit, and increases the Moon's orbital velocity a tiny bit. These changes are incredibly small, but we can now measure and model them. Science! When the moon speeds up, it moves to a higher orbit and paradoxically then orbits at a slower speed, making for a slightly longer lunar month. Orbital mechanics can be extremely counterintuitive. These changes are imperceptible across a human lifetime. However, as this has been happening for hundreds of millions of years, there are some surprising consequences. From the geologic record, we can get some hints. The chambered nautilus is an ocean-going mollusk that adds layers to its calcium carbonate shell every day, and there is a a recognizably different layer when the moon is full. We can look at modern shells and see evidence for a 30-day lunar month. If you look at fossils of similar shells from 400 million years ago, it appears the lunar month was perhaps only nine days long. This particular research has remained controversial, but it suggests that geologists might look at other kinds of fossils for less ambiguous estimates. They found evidence of this same effect in the form of layers of silt laid down by the tides and then fossilized as a permanent record of the ancient tides. From examination of some of these rocks called rhythmites in Australia, geologists estimate that 600 million years ago an Earth day was less than 22 hours, also, the moon was 4% closer than it is today. More surprising, the lunar recession rate was only about half of what we see now, posing another question, why is the moon speeding up in it's running away from the earth? The current most likely answer goes back to the tides. Researchers have built theoretical models for how tides work and observed that the natural resonance of the sloshing oceans now lines up with the timing of the lunar tides. This apparently increases the amount of momentum transfer from the Earth's spin to the moon's orbit compared to 600 million years ago. These are the kind of things humans figure out using science. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb.
1: Ready to go on vacation? Angel B. has a healthy checklist in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know.
3: Ready for vacation? Don't forget your travel medicine. Yes, travel is back, and after more than two years of avoiding it, most of us are eager to get on the road and travel. See the world again. With more people traveling, what's safe? Nancy George Cuddy, family medicine physician at Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, advises to look on the CDC website to learn which vaccines are recommended. Then discuss those risks with your physician. For example, the CDC may recommend malaria, prolaxis. However, for a short trip to an urban area, is that still necessary? It's a risk-benefit discussion you should have with your physician. And decide together. If you're fully COVID vaccinated, is it safe for you to travel within the United States? Top health experts say receiving any COVID-19 vaccine is much safer than being unvaccinated. If you're fully vaccinated, but you also have a weakened immune system because of a health condition or certain medication, ask your physician what travel precautions you should keep taking. Everyone is still encouraged to wear a mask while riding on airplanes, buses, trains, or other types of public transportation. When you are tired from traveling and going all day, your resistance may get very low and you're more likely to catch a common cold or get an upset tummy. Make sure to eat a well-balanced diet while still trying new foods and get enough rest after a long day of being adventurous. I've learned it's important to pack one week's worth of general medications other than my everyday prescriptions, antihistamine, decongestant, saline nasal spray, which helps with the dryness after long airplane trips, acetaminophen, ibuprofen for headaches, fevers, sunburn, or overall pain, multi-use stomach medicine for indigestion, nausea, or worse. I like the chewable antacids or opt for pepto, when needed. Hydrocortisone for itchy skin or rashes. Absolutely, if you've got to pack band-aids. First aid cream, cough drops, non-drowsy motion sickness pills, sunscreen, and yes, aloe gel. Bug spray, and don't forget those tissues. That's what works for me. One of my favorite travel companions gets heartburn. So she packs a broader variety of pills for that and leaves the nasal spray and decongestants at home. These are things you talk to your doctor about. Sleep aids, antibiotics, EpiPens if you have severe allergy, medicine to prevent altitude sickness. Dr. George Cuddy suggests simply practice good hygiene, like washing your hands with soap and water when possible, carrying alcohol-based hand sanitizer, as well as taking non-antibiotic drugs like Pepto when needed. And of course, if I'm prepared with my mini pharmacy, I usually don't need the drugs I've packed. So get out there, have a great adventure, and enjoy your travels. And talk to your doctor to be prepared. Safe travels! With the Methodist Mansfield news to know, I'm Angel Biasotti reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. It's
1: true. There's a shortage of homes in Mansfield and Beth Steinke explores the
4: reason why in this week's Mansfield real estate market update. Beth? It's easy to place blame on folks moving to our area for the run up in home prices and the lack of houses available for sale. But this isn't a DFW issue or even a Texas issue. This is a nationwide issue. Economists estimate that the U.S. is 3 to 5 million houses short of demand. There are a number of reasons for this lack of supply, but the biggest goes back to the housing collapse in 2008. Many home builders went out of business, and those that didn't dramatically slowed production between 2008 and 12, because they couldn't sell them. Well, that deficit in residential building has continued for the years following and has massively contributed to the current undersupply of homes. Today, builders are building as fast as they can, but supply chain disruptions, the high cost of materials and labor are not making it an easy task. Here are a few other reasons why we are experiencing out-of-balance supply issues. The millennials' effect on housing. There is no question that millennials are the largest generation in history. And now they are of home buying age, and Gen Z is not far behind them. Couple this with the fact that boomers are staying in their homes longer than ever, We are absolutely experiencing a tightening of supply due to these generational trends. Some economists suggest that rising interest rates are exacerbating the lock-in effect for certain homeowners who are now further disinclined to make a move. Additionally, homeowners are choosing to keep their current homes as rentals instead of selling when they are trading up. They typically have lower interest rates on those mortgages and see the financial wisdom of retaining that real estate asset as part of their overall investment strategy. This has removed approximately 8 million homes out of the market that would have been available to buy had they chosen to sell. Now, bring on the institutional investors. Yes, this has been a contributory factor in our marketplace, though I have been seeing less of it in the last few months. But big corporations with very deep pockets have been buying up residential real estate. I've heard estimates anywhere from 8% to 30% of current sales, but that definitely varies by market. These companies tend to focus on major metropolitan areas with lots of job activity. The play is to buy and long-term hold, capitalizing on rising rental rates for their investors. When and if they do begin selling off properties, this will certainly be noticeable in the DFW real estate market. All of these trends are contributing factors to low supply and high demand and have created a sharp rise in home prices. We may be nearing the tipping point, though, as we are seeing some home buyers being forced out of the market between rising prices and rising interest rates. Having recorded this segment last week while I attend a continuing education conference so I can bring you great up-to-date information on the real estate market, standing in for me today... With this week's market update, here's Steve.
0: Thank you, Beth. As of Tuesday, May 3rd, there are 40 active listings here in Mansfield, which remain stable from last week, ranging from $315,000 to $2.4 million and five homes over $900,000. 23 homes closed last week at an average of 104% over list price. Hey, Beth, why don't you go ahead and close us out?
4: Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred?
1: Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain is serving up another
5: Cocktail of the Week. Whether you love the Kentucky Derby for the people watching and all those hats or the horse racing, one thing is certain. This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Derby Signature Mint Julep, and it's the best tradition of all. The mint julep is a concoction of bourbon, mint, sugar, and water served over heaps of crushed ice in a signature silver or pewter cup, and although the race itself may only last a couple of minutes, Derby fans keep sipping their mint juleps long into the afternoon. Curious about the history of this favorite Southern libation? Pay attention. The julep got its start as a medicinal concoction used to settle the stomach, like several other cocktails we've talked about. But as a cocktail had blossomed in the American South in the late 1700s with a decidedly elite air because not everyone had access to ice or the silver or pewter cups in which the drink was served. Known as the unofficial drink of the South, the mint julep became the official drink of the Kentucky Derby in 1938, and nearly 120,000 mint juleps have been sold at the Kentucky Derby every year since. And while it may seem on the surface that the drink is only associated with the Kentucky Derby, when I dug a little deeper, I found that the history of the mint julep is as muddled as the mint drink itself. Yes, Dad jokes come out even on the podcast. And don't shake your head. You would have gone there too, and you know it. But first, we're going to take a look at the word julep itself. It's believed that the word is derived from the Perusian gulab, as well as the Arab word jula, which both translate into rose water or sweetened water. And this association is highlighted by the modern drink, sweet nature. One of the first references to the mint julep goes back as far as 1784. The ties to the Kentucky Derby do stretch back a ways to 1938 when it was declared the official drink of the sporting event. And there's no real explanation as to why this happened, but it did. And we all benefit now once a year because of it. And while today, the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby is Old Forester, previously was early times bourbon, racegoers can now pony up to $1,000 for a mint julep made in a Woodford Reserve cup made with Woodford Reserve bourbon served with a gold-plated glass with a silver straw. Quick side note, in fact, the straw was invented to drink the mint julep. More on that later. Don't worry about taking notes as I'm giving out the ingredients in the instructions. They are posted always on bourbongospel.com. Now, personal note, I have not always liked the mint julep. My palate luckily has developed, but I still remember my favorite recipe from the time when I didn't care for the mint julep. The ingredients the finest bourbon that you can afford, whatever that is. For me, that might be a Booker's or a Baker's or something along those lines. You're gonna need about eight or 10 mint leaves and you're gonna need about an ounce of simple syrup and two glasses. In the first glass, I want you to place the bourbon in the glass and I want you to set it aside. In the second glass, you're gonna place the mint and the simple syrup and you're going to gently combine those flavors together with a muddler. You're going to combine them gently over several minutes to gently pull those flavors together of the sickening sweet syrup and the, the mint and the, the smell of it. And Just take your time as you gently muddle those two things together. Add ice to the second glass and, and gently swirl it in the glass. And then I want you to take that second glass and everything in it, throw it in the trash, and drink the bourbon. That was my version of a mint julep. Now I'm going to give you the actual recipe for a true mint julep. Two ounces. Again, if we're being official, of Old Forester 100 proof bourbon. Again, use the best bourbon you have for the mint julep. You're going to take a half ounce of simple syrup. You're going to take four to six mint leaves and crushed ice. You're going to muddle the mitt in the glass to express the essential oils. You're then going to add the bourbon and the syrup and the crushed ice. You're going to gently then pour the glass into another glass to combine the flavors and then add additional ice on the top. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week... As Mark Twain says, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain.
1: Congratulations to Karina Bishop, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Who is Johnson County named after? Karina knew that Johnson County is named for Middleton Johnson, a Texas ranger, soldier, and politician.
0: It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. The first person... To email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, we'll receive a $25 gift card to Our Place Restaurant. It's real home cooking featuring breakfast all day, as well as lunch and fresh baked homemade pies. They're open every day, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can find them on the Internet at Our Restaurants com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, travelers
1: visiting Mansfield have a wide variety of choices when it comes to the nine hotels within the city. This week's trivia question is, who owned the first hotel in Mansfield? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, who owned the first hotel in Mansfield? Good luck, and thanks to Benji at our place for the gift card.
0: Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casio. as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, we're going to get serious today. If you want to go back through the archives, I believe it's about episode three or four. So we're talking about two and a half years ago, where we covered the topic of sex trafficking, not only in Mansfield, but Specifically around DFW, and I had a guest in uh, talking about um, a, a national or international program. But so we're kind of going on that topic today of of sex trafficking, but with a slightly different phase. And we so we haven't talked about this in in two and a half years. Thought it was important to bring this back uh, back around. And in the studio today, she lives here in Mansfield. She um, was a part of, I I, I guess, what I'm going to call the system. And uh, we're going to talk about this. Angela Thorne, welcome to About Mansfield.
7: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: And would would that be the right terminology that you're... you're...
7: Not necessarily. I mean, a lot of people, when you think about the system, they automatically think of some type of governmental system like foster care, CPS, which this issue is definitely a huge part of. However, for me, I would just say I was... In the life.
0: In the life. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll,
7: That's the proper terminology. Uh, a lot of people in this space would understand it as so.
0: Before we get into talking about your life in the life, mm-hmm. let's go back and, and find out a little bit about Angela pre-life. Where'd you grow up?
7: I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. I was born and raised there uh, to my mother and father. My um, dad is a retired law enforcement. Uh, He served as a detective for many, many years, served 40 plus years, retired August of 2020. My mom, healthcare worker, pretty much my entire life. And she retired a couple weeks ago. Nice. I am the youngest of four. We're all two years apart. We're a pretty close-knit family. Um, you know, just the average middle-class family. Uh, my parents did divorce when I was 10, and that's kind of when things spiraled out of control. Um, Not necessarily just for me, but yes, me um, as an individual, but kind of as a family unit, Mm -hmm. we started becoming separated, how to start making the choice. Are we going to stay with mom? Are we going to move with dad? Um, And actually at that time, A little, I would say, a year or two prior to that, my timeline might be off. She started working full time, but once they divorced and separated, she worked way more than we were all used to, and so she was gone a lot.
0: So that parental unit of of taking care of the kids was gone, and and I can empathize. My parents divorced when I was seventeen, and yeah, my mom worked. And worked and worked and worked mm-hmm, and yeah. and they, yeah. Who's taking care of the kids? Right. And the kids, became, my older siblings. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, for and,
7: us, for for my sister and I, that was. So she was 12, 14, 16 is kind of what our ages were Mm -hmm. around that time. So my eldest brother is really the one that was left responsible for us, but we were all very active. I wasn't quite at the time yet, but all of them were active in some type of extracurricular activity, sports, whatever. But um, to be
0: the caretaker at sixteen is is, is a huge unheard responsibility. Of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
7: really is. And he had his own issues. And and with on that topic, um, he you know my oldest brother uh, had he around. He was eighteen. He was a senior in high school, so that would have left me around twelve. Um, I began to be exposed to a lot of things because he was left responsible for me. But he also wanted to be living the life of an 18-year-old senior going to house parties. Sure. We were in a college town. He was already being invited to frat and sorority parties. And by default, I got drug along. So that's kind of when I first started... Um, seeing the dark side of exploitation. Um, And it wasn't like I honor my brother and he did the best he could for what he had. Um, And honestly, we haven't even talked about it too much in depth at this point. Um, And I don't know how much he really knows. Um, We don't have that kind of relationship (laughs) too much. We could, but it's a sensitive topic. And I don't ever want it to be like, this is all your fault kind of thing. It probably would have happened regardless because I got mixed up in the wrong crowd anyway. Was it at? It a- was at a party he brought me to. So so um, the first, the terminology is, is really hard to clarify when talking about this. Um, but But at this point, we would call it Uh, child sexual exploitation. And so what happened to me is I was groomed by a college boy Mm -hmm. uh, to be on film. Uh, to do things intoxicated uh, with other friends of his, or, uh, and then he potentially, or not potentially, but eventually he groomed me to start recruiting my friends to come over and do the same thing. And it's a whole grooming process. And this is extremely common.
0: This is at age 12.
7: This was at age 12. Pretty much from the age of 12 to like 14, this occurred. Wow. Um, And it led me down a path of addiction, alcoholism, and such, because it just came, that typically there's such a uh, woven web, uh, tangled web of the drug scene, alcohol scene, and the exploitation and trafficking. Uh, You will never find one without the other.
0: And this was a period then where... At the end of the day, you could still go home. Yes. At the end of the day, you could walk away from this life. Right. But you became addicted. Sure. To the drugs and the alcohol. Right. Uh, and
7: that was used basically against me, per se. Yeah. The traffickers and exploiters and predators, whatever you want to call them, always find a vulnerability to exploit. So when they started engaging in conversation with me at this house party, they saw immediately I had vulnerabilities. And it was mostly I just wanted to be seen and accepted and loved on. Right. Um, and so, of course, they met that need pretty immediately. They gave me attention, they complimented me, told me everything I wanted to hear, um, coerced me into drinking alcohol. I was not comfortable with that at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But they talked me into it and I did it, you know, uh, so on and so forth.
0: And were you successful in bringing in some of your friends? Yes. All right.
7: Yeah. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't have the language or the knowledge of any of this until now in my 30s of what that even was. And, and now I'm in my 30s. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was a recruiter at 12 <laughs> and 13 years old without even realizing or knowing that's what I was. Um, and I had to go Roughly, through a lot of mental processing there with that because it made me feel very guilty yeah. um, for doing that because I don't know what pain they've gone through. Roughly how
0: many... How many recruits did you bring in?
7: Oh, my goodness. I've never thought about that. I mean, it was really just my closest friends at the mm-hmm. time. So I would say like four or five maybe max. Um, there were some, you know, that were no, <laughs> not doing that. right? right. Um, but there were a few that were basically in the same position as me as far as broken home, et cetera, addictions and things like that.
0: 12 to 14, you said, was the, that, that period um how did you get out of the life at that time? Sure.
7: I didn't. Oh, unfortunately, you did okay. No. Um, I just kind of went deeper and deeper into it. So around the age of 14, I started exploring harder drugs. Uh, up until then I had only experimented, uh, with alcohol. So around, um, so I would say just alcoholism was, was a problem at that point. Um, around 14, uh, without going too far into it. I switched schools. I was kind of pretty much in a private school environment. It, it was a public, but it was very small um, and moved to the public school system. Um, and I was exposed to so much more. I mean, you would already think at this point I had seen it all, but I didn't. And there's girls, you know, doing cocaine in the bathrooms and, you know openly taking pictures of themselves doing things. And of course, cell phones were starting to become more advanced at this time. And so, you know, we'll get into that topic, but the online space. So things were just more available to me there. The pressures were more prevalent uh, at that time. And I held out honestly uh, to experiment in harder drugs until um, the summer before going into my sophomore year. So, finally, I caved, I tried cocaine, and immediately became addicted. Um, And so, once I got involved in that particular drug, um, it led me down a really dark path really fast um, as far as the type of people I was putting myself around. And I did end up getting um, trapped in uh, cartel gang member activity, um, not by choice. I had no clue what I was walking into, but.
0: And that's where you actually then became a part of.
7: Sex trafficking. W- that when was I, my when first When I said situation. the system, yeah.
0: the life. You, yes. You were a victim of sex trafficking. Right. <laughs> you, your life was basically taken over by a cartel of people. Yes. I was going to say men, but I would assume. Yeah,
7: they were. Like, At this okay. point, I did not witness women being involved in this, but later on in my adulthood, I did okay. for sure. And the realities with this, before we get too far into it, and it seems too traumatic to kind of process, because I know um, it can be, mm-hmm. it, it can be, especially when you have children this age and you look at them, I don't want it to be to where you feel like you need to lock them in your home and never let them out or have freedoms. Um because that's not the reason I tell my story, or I'm getting this out there. It's to give you hope, really, of knowing that there is there is choice and there is resources to get help. Um, that there's
0: life beyond.
7: There's life beyond the life. The life. There is, yeah. and and there's ways to prevent it. And that's kind of where I come in. I want to be the preventative measure right. to help families prevent this.
0: When the the, the little bit that I know about. Sex trafficking. Usually, it's watching an episode of SVU, yes, and where the these girls, these these young women, are are living in deplorable situations and almost uh, cage like situations. Yeah, was that your life? No, no,
7: not even close. And um, yes, that is very real. Um, I wish I had an exact statistic to share with you, uh-huh. um, on that. However, I know nowadays, talking about 2022, um, it's less and less that we're seeing those tactics being used because they don't really have to, um, because the manipulation and the coercion and the force happens in different aspects more, uh, and I'll get into that more. Uh, later on but but first and foremost yes that does happen. I'm not discounting that. That is a very real aspect of how pimps and traffickers force and coerce their victims. Um, but I guess we'll just focus on my story no that is not what what had to take place because I was so trained by the time I got to that life that mm-hmm. it didn't take much. It, it took some threats and that's it that kept my mouth shut that kept me doing what they were asking me to do and frankly the addiction kept me coming back because they were feeding me free drugs
0: the and then at, at some point you you left the house you left right. your, your home at right. what age were uh, at what age were you completely under the the control of the cartel?
7: Sure. So I actually, (laughs) um, not too long after this scenario, I was only in that particular uh, situation for probably half a semester in high school. That's how I have to play it out in my head because it's hard to remember things in detail. But I know halfway through my sophomore year in high school, I was caught by my dad. So he actually did walk in, not necessarily during a trafficking situation, but mm-hmm. using drugs. He walked in, I had lied. I was getting so careless with, with how I was trying to sneak around and 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 lying to him and and it just became so obvious at that point, I'm sure, to him being a detective I, I was and everything. Say, law enforcement. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, the wool came off of his eyes, I suppose, and uh, he caught me red-handed um, using drugs with a couple of eighteen year old boys and and so after that, I did get put on what I would consider as house arrest, That's what I called it back whenever I was a teen, and I would uh-huh. tell everybody that. and um it was I was grounded. <laughs> I was grounded. I wasn't able to do anything. Um I remember I really um, I found a hobby in putting puzzles together (laughs) because I was like all I could do. Jigsaw puzzles. Uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I I became really good at that. And I started framing them and everything. Um, And this lasted. And so, and and when I did go to school, I had to check in with the principal after every class. I got kicked off the chair team. Uh, All my extracurriculars were were gone. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And during lunch at that, at that school, we had off-campus lunch. I was not allowed to do that. Either my dad would pick me up or I had to go eat in the, in the principal's office. And so it became very um, restricted of my life, like what I could do. Um, when I got caught, I lost the majority of my friend group. Like they knew I was basically going to rat them all out. And oh. I, uh, yeah. And so, I mean, my dad's a cop. They all knew that. <laughs> Um, it's beyond me why they ran with me anyway, knowing that I know everybody didn't, but but the closest to me and and the boys that were involved in exploiting me knew. But when you're involved in drugs, it's kind of you're careless. So you really don't think about anything but that one thing. So and money. So I I guess you would say at that time I got out and by that by default by the grace of God whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got tired of that life and the not my dad not trusting me, which I mean, looking back now as a parent, as an adult, I'm like, oh, my gosh. But the point I want to make and kind of share with parents that if you're dealing with a teen who is showing signs of rebellion or they're showing signs of um, destruction or addiction or anything like that, um, first and foremost, you should meet that issue with love condemnation and shame is, is a really bad approach to um, getting a child help Um, really at the root of it. They just need some love. They need acceptance and primarily from their parent. Um, If they can't get that from their parent, then the closest to Ken or, or their, their guardian or the closest person mentor, whomever, Um, you know, meet it with love. You can, you can love on somebody and still correct behavior. Um, and, and something that I will be teaching is called Trust-Based Relational Intervention. It's TBRI, and it, it's an approach that Dr. Karen Purvis from TCU came up with uh, primarily for parents who adopt children, but they found we can use this approach for any any type of traumatic situation we're dealing with. So Before
0: we get into the present day, right, yeah. Angela Thorne and, sure. and, and the, the tremendous work that you're doing yeah. now... At what age did you leave the life?
7: I did not get out until 24 years old. So I was getting into that part of the story. So I got tired of the grounding, the restrictions, the, I did not get help properly. I did not get sent to rehab, which is probably what should have happened in that time. Instead of not seeing the problem and the issue for what it was, it was just like, I'm going to shame on you. (laughs) Like you're doing bad. So stay inside and you can't live your life. Um, I needed rehab. I needed counseling, very specialized therapy. Um, I needed my dad to know the signs of somebody who's been sex trafficked because I was by the book showing every single one. Um, So long story short, I ended up moving with my mom to Cleburne, Texas. She was living there at the time. And, uh, I, I think it took one day for me to get back into that group of people who are doing drugs and
2: whatever in, in comes labor. with that
7: lifestyle. Yeah. It was like, I remember my first day at school, I think the first person that approached me, it's like, you have a target on your back. They sniff you out. They know, or they just want to hook the person new yeah. fresh meat, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I remember being invited to go hang out with him after school that day and boom, it was, it Get was, back in it. except it was not cocaine. It was meth. Oh, <laughs> and wow. So Yeah. It was, they do
0: meth in Cleburne?
7: No. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> Some people refer to it. I actually went to school in Rio Vista. I lived in Cleburne, went to school at Rio, actually ended up graduating from high school there at 17. Um, I was so wrapped up in all the things and so as soon as I graduated at 17, I moved in with the boy I was dating at the time. And it was basically what's called the trap house in the life, but it's a drug house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, it spiraled from there. So uh, without traumatizing the audience too much, just basically over from 17 to 24, I was trafficked by probably seven to eight different people. I had uh, in the life of uh, stripping, at you know, strip clubs, working there, um, even working out of Hooters and Twin Peaks and Redneck Heaven. Um, they're all over those places too. And then, uh, you know, the, the just the se- sex industry as a whole, pornography and things like that.
0: We're talking with Angela Thorne about her life in The Life and we're just getting started, but you'll need to join us next week as we continue her journey and how she was able to leave the sex trafficking life and turn her life around. As always, this is the place where you can hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, share, love, support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Go to our website, aboutmansfield.com, enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam, we promise.
1: About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporter, Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Ask Terry Home Improvement, Terry Radzwin. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casio.
0: We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casio, and this is about Mansfield.